Hoo, hoo, hoo. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast, episode 297, Monday, April 25th. Got a good one for you here today. For anyone out there like me who is uh, on the Salesforce quarter schedule, we got our last week of the quarter here. So hopefully you're pushing through, you're checking the timelines with your champions, you're pushing for uh, exec sponsors to get on the phone, you got your next call on the calendar, you know the procurement process. All that jazz, um, that is what I'm getting uh, and will be getting uh, questioned on in a forecast meeting today. So you probably are too. Uh, pumped for today's episode. I'm actually doing a, uh, a rollover from one that I did for the Pavilion podcast, which I do for um, the executive community there uh, for sales and marketing. I had Dustin Dino on. He's the SVP of global sales over at Showpad. Uh, phenomenal career. He really rose through the ranks, you know, at a bunch of different companies. One was Salesforce, uh, and he was there for a number of years and just kept getting promoted and promoted. And the reason I love this episode so much is that he talks about the importance of how business acumen helped him as a salesperson and especially as a sales leader. And it's much more than just sales tactics and, you know, how do you Chris Voss uh, someone or how do you handle this negotiation, but actually understanding how businesses work how companies make money, lose money, and, and all of that, that it really helped him to elevate uh, as a business person, as a sales leader. So I hope you enjoy this one. If you do, hit subscribe, throw me some love, follow me on LinkedIn. My name is Tom Alamo, and I post every day there. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Dustin Dino. Let's go. All right, coming at us from Chicago, we've got Dustin Denno from Showpad. Dustin, how are you? Good, good, Tom. How are you? Doing well. It's Friday morning, ready to get after it. Uh, and uh, as I like to say, create distance on a Friday. So I'm excited to be chatting with you. Uh, likewise. Lo love that saying. Uh, happy to chat with you. Um, well, we just bonded over a little bit of, uh, of some indie background, uh, where you're from and where a lot of my family's from. Um, I'd love to hear... You know, just like to get straight into it, and, and I want to spend some time a little bit later on what you're doing at Showpad, but I'm always interested in just in general in sales. Like, how did you get into sales uh, and how did that start if it was straight out of college or, or elsewhere? Yeah, thanks, Tom. And uh, it's, it's good to learn about your indie background as well. Um, good people from, from Indiana. So um, I, I uh, you know, appreciate the connection. My, my career started you know, out of college, my, my father and uncle had a, a manufacturing business that, that they had built, um, you know, from, from really nothing and all the way up to, you know, a couple million dollars in, in sales and had one or two big customers. And, you know, I, coming out of college, I, I always thought I would, you know, be a part of the family business. And so I, I joined that trying to, to, to run the expansion for, for that company and, and drive sales. So, Right out of college, I've, I, I I got into to, to sales uh, through my, my family business, and and over over time, I started to you know it was a you know contract manufacturing you know job shop type manufacturer um, supplied components for a lot of other global contract manufacturers and OEMs and uh, you know, traditional manufacturing use case. And uh, after spending a lot of time there, and that business continued to grow, um, I. Uh, started to, to to realize because I was really passionate about technology 
um, and technology actually impl- uh, impacted our, our, our growth at, at my family business that, that um, you know, I, I didn't want to, to kind of sell in the manufacturing space for, for the rest of my life. And so if I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life, I didn't want to do it tomorrow. And so uh, the, the, the lady that sold uh, Salesforce to, to us or to me at, at, when I was at my family business posted on LinkedIn that um, there is a opening for their Salesforce was opening a, a Chicago office. And I kind of said, well, what the heck, you know, um, maybe I'll, I'll give a tech a, a, a shot. Um, I was really passionate about technology and wanted to, to be really good at sales. And there's no better place to learn how to sell than, than, than Salesforce uh, when it comes to technology. And um, Salesforce didn't even know it, but I was driving back and forth from Lafayette, Indiana, Chicago for a while, uh, commuting yeah. after I got hired as a like an SMB rep. So I went from running a you know, um, you know a decent sized sales organization to to just being an individual contributor and um, learned so much really quickly there, and then continued to to work up uh, the the ladder amongst in the AE ranks at, at Salesforce, and then as soon as I possibly could, I I. Uh, transitioned into to leadership there, uh, where I got to run run teams and then kind of built a brand of, of, of fixing certain teams and areas and, and then um, rounded out my career running uh, the, I was the AVP for the Retail Consumer Goods Vertical, so ran the, the vertical for, for the U.S. across, had two teams in San Francisco, two in New York, two in Chicago, um, and a couple in, in Indianapolis. And so that's where I rounded up my career at, at, uh, um, at Salesforce. But the, the, the humble beginnings of, of sales were, were in the manufacturing space for the, the family business. Nice. Very cool. Um, you see so many sales leaders now that, you know, come from the, the tree of Salesforce, especially during like the late 2000s, early 2010s, like you did. What, what is it about the training there or was it about the training there that like really stuck with you and really seems to just create such sales excellence? There's, there's, there's really three things that I think they, they do. I mean, it's just world-class is the first is how they operationalize the business. So how they, they think about pipeline management, forecasting, uh, how they think about deal inspection, how they manage, um, the pipeline, in general, it's just it's it's top notch. They've kind of invented uh, the way you should kind of proactively manage your pipeline. And obviously, there's tools out there today that help you do that. But back then, you you just build this muscle of of operational excellence and rigor that that is, I think, um, you know, second to none when building a foundation for a sales team. So that's the first thing I think they do really really well. Um, they've 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 created the path to predictable revenue through, you know, operational excellence. Second is they hire great people. And so you're always around uh, phenomenal sellers and you just naturally either, uh, you know, drift towards that watermark or, or you don't really last there. And so it's um, when you're surrounded by great people, um, it, it's, it's uh, you know, much easier to, to, to drive that excellence. And then their market's so big that you kind of get an MBA and their motion, the way they teach you to sell, you know, is it's very solution oriented. So you're, you're having a lot of business conversations with so many different types of businesses and you have access to the C-level uh, there that you 
you kind of get an MBA over time where you just learn how companies operate. You've seen, you know, 10 companies that are in SaaS or in manufacturing, whatever industry, and you've seen all the business problems that those companies have had, and you're focused on key business problems for those customers because they're in the front, uh, you know, on the revenue side. And so uh, you just, you, you know, almost through osmosis, you know, get like a, an MBA because you've just seen so many case studies of, of customers and the velocity is so high. And so I think those three things are, are such a, a recipe for, for success. So then you just, you can take that operational excellence, the, the eye and ability to hire great talent and all of the knowledge of how companies run and, and apply it over to most SaaS businesses. And so I think that's why the, the lineage of, of, I think, strong sales leaders has uh, have come from there. You said earlier that, you know, part of your stretch in leadership there was like, you were just kind of like fixing different problems across mm -hmm. the business. I feel like that's a great opportunity for someone that's listening. If they want to rise up the ranks, wherever they are, is like, go find problems. I'm curious, was that a proactive strategy of you to say, Hey, where are problems in the business that I can go solve and bring that to leadership? Or were you just kind of known as that guy? And they'd say, Hey, Dustin, this team is, is, you know, they can't figure out their pipeline or whatever it is, like go fix it. Like, or maybe it was a combination of both. I, I, it's, it's weird. I, I credit my manufacturing background for, for this is I was always, you know, in SaaS sales, you're not really worried about profit margin, right? You're not really worried about like efficiency to a certain extent. And you definitely weren't worried about it, you know, seven, eight years ago in SaaS when it was just about land capturing, like literally, you know, just capturing growth at, at all costs. Um, but I, I have this like lean Six Sigma process oriented brain where I'm like, wait, this process doesn't make sense or this area doesn't make sense. And so I have always learned that when I can hit my number as a seller, but also work on the business and, and work collaboratively with other teams. Like I'm, A, I'm going to learn, B, I'm going to impact the company and, and C, I like, I'm definitely going to be in the, the pool to, to, to be looked at for, for, for leadership. And then when you have, you kind of build that brand initially of you solving some problems, then you can, um, you know, elevate into to much bigger roles faster because as you move up in a sales organization, those AVPs, you know, SVPs, they're, they're focused only on fixing the problems and, and, and working on the business uh, instead of, you know, just closing deals. So uh, to me, it was always something that I was passionate about. And it, it you know, in, in SaaS, you can get in this motion where it's very repetitive. I always found it also as, as kind of a release for me to, to, to do something a little bit different and, and uh, you know, made me still excited about selling when I was, I was selling as well. So yeah, it's something I, I, I tell my team today. It's like, if, especially, especially if you're in like frontline leadership, like always have a problem you're fixing on the business um, or, or in the business because it's, it's uh, you're so valuable to the organization outside of the number that you bring. Mm. I love that. I, I'd love to fast forward a little bit to uh, where you're at with Showpad now. I saw sure. your post recently uh, coming off of SKO. I think you said 61% of people got a promotion last yeah. year. Sure. Is that is that in the whole company or in sales or uh, no, yeah. that's crazy? Yeah, it's in sales, um, you know, all the way from our BDRs uh, at, through all of our AEs and solutions engineering. That's the, the scope that I have. And, you know, what we've, what we've done has been very proactive about building a career path at, at Showpad where, you know, you can get to different levels and then automatically get promoted. And we're continuing to work on that throughout all the different roles that we have. 
But I, I think, you know, in today's talent market, it's incredibly important that that you create that career path for your teams. And, and more importantly, I, I think we should be looking to hire within. Um, and so I, I, my commercial team, my BDR organizations, I, I constantly hammering the idea that like, you are the, the bench of talent for this company. And, and my job is to create that path for you to, to be, you know, a, an enterprise seller starting at, even if you were starting out at SMB. And I think, the impact that has on revenue, impact it has on culture is, is so massive. Yeah, you may be able to find somebody with a little bit better talent or something or a little bit more experience um, in as you move up market, but the ramp time um, and the ability to, to get people in into the roles, particularly in a crazy talent market like it is today, I've just found that it, it's, it's much easier if you provide the right training, provide the right um, and even been around that, those people and, and, and invest in them and promote them as they deliver results. I mean, you, you know, your, your, your whole organization grows very quickly. So that's been the, you know, the, the thesis that I've, I've tried to apply is, is we want to be the springboard for people's career. And, and if we can do that, um, I, I find that the results typically, typically come. So I, you know, that's, the retention and and uh, you know making sure your your people stay and are happy and get promoted is is something that every sales leader probably every leader is focused on and it's probably harder now than ever just at least in the sales market um, it's just crazy out there so I'm curious from other folks that you talk to or other places you've been like what's a what's a common mistake you see sales leaders make when they're figuring out kind of like what the promotion path should be internally for. Uh, for their employees and trying to make sure that there's some sort of structure there for, for their teams and their people to grow. I, I try to make it, it like, I, it shouldn't be ambiguous. Like, mm. like for instance, with our BDR promotions, it's, it's very straightforward. It's, it's a, a certain time period of consistency of performance. And then it's um, ex- acceptance and acknowledgement and, and finishing the training that we asked you to complete. And so once you hit the target on a consistent basis and you are trained for the next level of your, 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 your role as a BDR, like a senior BDR or it heading into like our, our SMB sales team, once you complete that training and you're performing, like if we have a spot, you're eligible for it. Mm. And so it, it's creating that like goal oriented career pathing that makes it very black and white. I think, just like anything, all people want is certainty. And if you set a target for pe- for salespeople in general, and, and you automatically reward them if you have the capacity or open spots, um, so we we constantly have um, people moving up through our BDR ranks and, and AE ranks that they know exactly uh, what's next for them, and we're trying to be as 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 clear and transparent about what that is. And if those metrics are hit by th- a certain percentage of our team, like our numbers easy. And so that's the way yeah. we, we try to build that in. So the less amb- ambiguity you can put in it, the, the, the better, in my opinion. I think like we all want, I think also is those, those frontline managers having those one-on-one conversations, right? Sometimes we get too focused on driving the, the number in those one-on-one conversations. To me, it's about driving the number in the context of that person's career. Like hitting the number is a step in the journey of, of what you're trying to, to do as a salesperson. So if you connect it always to like, Hey, if you want to get into enterprise, here's what you got to do. And, and it's talking about that deal or that quarter or, or uh, your pipeline 
relative to that long-term objective for that AE that I think it, it just aligns the AE because they know what they're doing it for and they don't feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm just shoving up a number on the board. Um, and so that's the, that's the, also the one-on-one coaching that we try to, to implement on our teams is, is everything should be in the context of, of that career. Cause I fundamentally view my job is my job is to, to provide the framework for people to be successful and promote them um, way faster than they could anywhere else in exchange. I get ARR. Like that's, yeah. the, that's the agreement that we have is like, I'll, I'll, I'll provide a, a, a very clear path for you to, to, to advance your career and get you where you want to go. And, and you give me ARR and, and we're in a good place. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you, it's always a tricky balance. Cause I've, I've had bosses and VPs that I know very clearly give a shit about me and where I want to go. And I've had some that, you know, maybe that that's in question. I think every salesperson could probably say the same. So how do you, how do you coach your leaders to make that part of the conversation? If it's a, a quarterly basis or right when they first meet everyone or, or how do you go about doing that? Yeah. I mean, if you're not a, a people first leader where you're trying to invest in the team and yeah, like with in sales, there's accountability. Like that, that's, that's kind of table six, but if we're not focused on those individuals and where they want to go, it, it's very, very difficult for us to do anything. And so, I mean, it's almost like, I don't, I, I don't, I can't imagine hiring a leader that doesn't think like that. So we spend yep. a ton of time vetting that out. Um, and, and you see the ones that, that do it the best are the ones that are the most successful. I mean, no one's perfect. So, but yeah, I'm constantly talking about, you know, when we have our, our leadership sessions um, or one-on-ones with, with my leaders, I'm always asking, how's the team doing? How, like where so-and-so want to go? Like, what, what are they thinking for their long-term career? You know, so-and-so has been in, in role for, for 18 months. Like what are, what are, what are, what are their career objectives? Are, are we meeting them? Um, you know, and are they delivering relative to the, the skills and knowledge that they need to, to achieve that next step in their career? Like, how are you coaching them um, through that lens? Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's just like, it's just like pipeline management. It's a constant, you know, just reiterating, uh, those things. And it's almost become like just the language with how we speak on our team. So it's, mm. it's kind of ingrained in, in everything we do. Yeah. And going back to transparency, which I think is huge for leading. I'm also starting to see a lot more of that in, in the hiring process and in the job market. Like I see, I see VPs of sales putting, uh, you know, clear OTEs on LinkedIn posts. Um, there's companies obviously like RepView uh, that are like trying to, you know, bring some kind of G2 type of uh, mentality to what it's really like to work somewhere. So I'm curious, like when you're hiring uh, for leaders, you mentioned like, hey, they, they have to be people first. We're trying to vet that out. What else are you looking for? And, and how are you, how are you vetting some of those things out um, in the interview process? Yeah. So one of the questions I asked is like, when, when you start here, you know, um, how many people could you bring with you? Mm. Or can you walk me through who you bring with you and why they come with you? And, um, you know, I think one of my mentors at, at Salesforce, one of the best sales leaders I've ever met, uh, he always said, like, be a leader people fight to work for. Um, and I find that those people that care about those people's careers, they always have people they can pull with them. And they're a talent magnet. And like, so that's like, I think the biggest leading indicator or, or, or ways to understand whether that person has, um, you know, does it the right way. If they have people that follow them, uh, you know, it's, it's a very clear indicator that, that they, um, you know, can, 
are our people first leader. Um, for mm. sure. Wow. That's great. I love that. Um, what, uh, so we're, we're kicking off the new year. Did you have a, do you have a, a fiscal that starts in February or January? Yeah. Yep. February. Yeah. February 1st is when we, so we, yeah, we just kicked off uh, this month. So with the new year, like you're obviously, you know, really keyed into just the sales industry, uh, obviously member of pavilion on the board of sales assembly, a few other things. Like, what do you, what are you seeing? Like as, in terms of trends, uh, for, for sales or, um, you know, what, what you're thinking about for the team just in general this year, anything that comes to mind? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I, I know we've, you know, there's so much talk about this, but sales has changed more in the last two years than it did in the previous 10. Yeah. Um, you, you, I mean, you think about the, you know, the relationship seller, the one that was like steak dinners and golf, the, that was trending out anyway, but it, it completely shut down. Dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, completely dead. So I, I think what we focus on is creating, uh, you know, you know, I think there's also this consumerization of B2B that's happening where, you know, there's so much more is happening digital. Um, you know, it's all distributed. Everyone's remote. So how you manage that, that experience is completely different. Um, and, and then, so there's, there's the bridge and the gap between the digital and the physical that I think we have to continue to figure out like how people show up on zoom calls. Like we, we spend so much time, you know, getting detail oriented about the in-person meeting now, like, how does, how does everyone look, feel like someone could be distracted looking on, like there's so many more things that get in the way of, of attention uh, mm -hmm. of your buyers. So like that digital physical uh, challenge is something we, we think about often. The second is the, you know, that buyer experience is something that we're really passionate about at Showbad. So how do we make sure that that experience is, is, is amazing across the board, even if they don't buy So we spend a ton of time thinking about, um, you know, being easy to buy from, removing friction from the buying process and making that experience really, really easy. Uh, so that's something that, that we're seeing uh, across the board. We've, in SaaS, we've kind of overcomplicated the buying process sometimes. Yeah. In some areas, we've completely simplified it with PLG and made it super easy. And then other areas, we've made it so hard. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to, to, to work on that. Um, and then I think the, the last piece, when you... There's so much technology focused on the deal or focused on giving reps more time back. Um, and I think what you're starting to see is this shift towards fixing the rep. Like, cause the return on investment there is so much bigger. Like yeah. if I fix a deal and there's all these signals that I have now as a revenue leader that like, Oh, this deal is falling apart or this deal doesn't have engagement or there's so many great technologies that give you all the signal. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you, you got to fix that, what that person says, how they show up. Um, and so that you're seeing that one-on-one -on -one coaching conversations being way more important um, in, in today's world. And, and so I think that's where you're going to see a shift is kind of bringing that back to, to human because, you know, more doesn't equal more anymore. Like, mm. like some more people, more calls, more everything, more emails, more outbound doesn't necessarily translate to more revenue anymore. It's about the right message at the right time. And so that one-on-one -on -one coaching is, is so important. And people have been talking about how, you know, 70% of the cycle is now owned by marketing or before they talk to a salesperson. And people just think that's like, oh, we got to focus on that big bucket. My point of view is we've now made that, that time you have with a buyer much smaller. So yeah. it just, I mean, it puts so much more pressure on that 30%. 
Yeah. Um, and sellers just have to be way better than they, they were before. Um, and so that, I think focusing on that, that, that seller, the buying experience, and then the whole digital to physical kind of, um, those are the things I'm seeing. Yeah. As a salesperson, I, I'm thinking a lot about the friction piece. I was talking with, uh, did a podcast last night with Sam McKenna, um, who was talking about, you know, her solution to that is she calls it the urgent bird gets the worm. And it's like, she does not, you know, she's a little different because she runs her own show, but in the same sense, like she's not leaving her desk before every inbound lead is followed up with, like she's making sure nothing slips through the cracks like that. And I think there's a lot of way, like when I'm thinking about that, I think urgency is key. I think not trying to add too many steps to the process, like, at least in my opinion, if you can, if they, if you can merge, you know, multiple calls into, into one, or you can merge three into two or give them a sneak peek of the demo, you know, and, and not make them do 30 minutes of discovery first and get really good discovery in 15. Like I think salespeople need to be tinkering with different ways to, to be selling because, um, you know, buyers, your sales cycle might be 60 days, but maybe the buyer's ready in 30. You know, and, and where can you tighten that up? So I think that's a, a great point and one that personally I've just been thinking a lot about recently. Yeah, it's everything's changing. And if you're not changing with it or at least trying, I think it's 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 really difficult to you can be left behind pretty quickly. And it's good to see that you're you're hacking your process because um, you know, being we're so in our, in our personal lives, like I can have anything delivered to my house in a matter of hours, right? Yeah. And so when I like subconsciously, when I go to buy technology, I want it easy. And um, if, if we're not trying to do that while also making sure that we're diagnosing the right problem and, and the solution fits, um, you know, it's, it's hard, but uh, I, I think we, we always got to keep that top of mind. For sure. Um, all right. Let me pivot to a couple rapid fires for you, Dustin. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're big learners on this podcast. I see, little bookshelf above your right shoulder there. Curious if there's any books that have made a serious impact on you as a person or your career and uh, any topic is fair game. I'll go ahead and pull it out. It's one of my favorite books. It's Atomic Habits. Oh yeah. I've, I, I've, I've now read it twice and uh, I, it, 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 it fundamentally has changed my, my mornings and, and how I think about every day. And I, there's nothing better to me than that routine that it's created and, um, and the kind of the science behind uh, habits and how we can form really good ones and get rid of really bad ones. It's, it's, it's definitely been, uh, an impactful book for me. So that's, that's definitely one. And then the second one that I think has kind of framed my approach to sales leadership at a high level is the sales acceleration formula by Mark Roberts. Like I love the way he thinks about maybe it's the manufacturing engineering side of me that, that, uh, I love the way he thinks about kind of proving things out before just adding a bunch of heads and, and growing for, for growth sake. So, but uh, those are the two books that I, I think probably hit home the most. I love it. Any, uh, any habit that you've picked up or habit you've removed in the last, I don't know, year or so that you yeah. could point to that's been helpful. Yeah. I, I've, you know, as a sales leader, we're, we're, we're kind of naturally higher strung. So I, I guess, um, I never thought this would impact me, but the meditation for 10 minutes a day is, is mm-hmm. really, really helped me. Um, and then I, I also just make sure I, 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 I sweat, do some type of physical activity every day. Um, some is more intense than the others, but, uh, at, uh, you know, if, if I can meditate and, and, and 
do some type of, of workout or, or sweat, even if it's for 10, 15 minutes, uh, those things have, uh, have impacted me. And then I've also gotten, gotten into this, like the cold showers type of Wim Hof stuff that's been, yeah. been um, pretty good for me as well. But those are the, the three, I think, top. You, you get a sweat in, you meditate and breathe for a couple of minutes and you can take a cold shower. Your entire world is different after that. Is, like that can, all, all that can happen in about 45 minutes. It's, it's crazy. It, it, like everyone thinks it's like, and once you do it for two weeks, it becomes just kind of a normal thing for you. And it, it's, I mean, I, there's, there's not a weekday that goes by that I don't read 10 pages of the book, meditate, uh, get a little sweat in and, and take a cold shower. So those are the things that, uh, um, definitely keep me going. I my day starts so early because I have, you know, about a hundred people over in Europe. And, uh, so it, it really helps me kind of start the day, day, day quickly. What time are you waking up? I usually wake up at five, five thirty, Um, yeah. and then I usually start the calls around six thirty or seven. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just hired a VP of EMEA, so maybe those will, will shrink a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> um, no, we're, it's been great to, to have a, the global experience at Showpad. It's been, been a ton of fun. Nice. Um, all right. How about any, I'm not sure if you're a podcast guy, like any podcasts you listen to or people you follow on LinkedIn or YouTube channels, any, any other, you know, blogs, anything else that you kind of tune into to, you know, work on your craft? Yeah. The, I, it's not necessarily my craft, but all, the All In podcast with Chamath, David Sachs, and 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 uh, those guys has been something I, I religiously listen to every every Friday or Saturday when it comes out. Um, I think just having the context of of the world and and also they have a really good perspective on business. And you know, Saks is like kind of the 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 king of SaaS when it comes to to to, to venture. And so um, that that's the one I religiously listen to. Um, I'm I'm also a big fan of um, how I built this. Uh, just listening how companies or how people like great entrepreneurs have built companies. Uh, and then I, I listen to Gong's podcast uh, quite frequently as well. So. Nice. Shout out to Devin Reed. Um, yeah, yeah, right. What, what, uh, what goes through the headphones music wise on Spotify? Oh yeah. That's a, that's an interesting one. I'm, I'm kind of all over the board and I know that's such a cliche answer, but um, you know, I, uh, I was a big fan of the halftime show. So, uh, oh yeah, me Super too. Bowl, uh, that's kind of like my high school, college, uh, or college music. Uh, so that that was fun. And then I don't know. I also, you know, there's times where I'm, I, I I feel the country vibe all the way. And then I grew up going to like Dave Matthews concerts, so, uh, that kind of chill music. Um, and then yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of all over the place depending on the mood. But uh, um, yeah. Yeah, you you can't be listening to Dave Matthews before a six thirty a.m. call, but maybe like on Friday, you know, afternoon or something like that. That's more like Dr. Dre time. Um, yeah, sure. All right, my last one for you, Dustin, is is who would you want to see next come on the Pavilion podcast? Oh wow, yeah, there's um, there's there's so many great great people doing uh, amazing work um, in in the space. There's uh, you know, I've, there's a lot of innovation going in, um, on, uh, in, in manufacturing technology. Mm. And I, I think there's anyone in those, those kind of traditional industries. So I, I'm on the, uh, I, I'm, I advise for a company called, uh, you know, Amper and like the innovation that they're driving in the manufacturing space is amazing. And so like, 
I, I feel like they don't get like those those technologies that are actually making like a really huge impact into like bringing work back to America, like optimizing um, you know manufacturing back in the states. You know, ties back to what I'm I'm, I'm kind of my my upbringing. But uh, there's so many of those great technologies that I don't think get a lot of uh, you know uh, voice in the the market. So uh, that would be a, a good one. Um, and we have some great sales leaders here at Showpad that I, I, I think are, are really good. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, there's, there's so many great, uh, sellers and go to market, uh, leaders. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you should have a, an issue picking, but, uh, I, I think might have to, just, yeah, there's a lot of uh, prospect into some Showpad people. Yeah, for, yeah, uh, yeah. For the pot. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I, 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 no one's really jumping off, uh, my head, uh, or off, off the bat, but, uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, no problem. Um, all right, I got actually one more for you that I skipped before. Um, obviously, Pavilion networking community trying to up level. Everyone's trying to up level. What's your number one networking tip for people? Yeah, uh, I always try to add value. Like, yeah. um, I've I've been you know for whether it's you know a platform that that, that we buy. Um, if if we buy it, I always try to 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 reach out to those, those, those VP of sales or CROs and, and say, Hey, um, I bought it because I believe in it. And if you need me to, 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 to help with a customer, I can tell how the impact, I can tell them how the impact it made for me. And I think, you know, with, from a networking perspective, I've always tried to lead with value. And then I found that it, it like pays me back in tenfold. Um, yeah. and so, you know, particularly on pavilion, like I, you know, I'll, I'll go and answer a bunch of questions and, if I see someone just getting in the, the dialogue, but being very generous and with with um, any wisdom or, or most of the time it's because I've made the mistake myself. So yeah. saying, uh, helping people dodge uh, dodge bullets there. But I think anytime you can just continually add and be generous with value, um, you, you, it comes back tenfold. So that, that would be my, my advice is find where you can add value and, and give it away. And then you'll, you'll see the, the network just comes to you. I love it, man. Dustin, thank you for uh, for coming on. I love the conversation. Before I let you go, can you let people know where they can, uh, if they want to connect with you, if they want to learn more about uh, Showpad, what are some of the best places for folks to go? Yeah, just uh, on LinkedIn, it's just Dustin Denno, and then uh, www.showpad.com is our, our website. There's, we usually put out a, a lot of great content that you can consume as well, and, but uh, more than happy to, to chat with anyone about uh, you know, revenue enablement, sales enablement, and sales coaching. So, um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Thanks, Dustin. Appreciate it. Thanks. Huh? Thanks for checking out that episode start of the year. Let's kick some ass again. One of my goals for this show is to get as many subscribers, uh, wherever you're listening here, uh, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. subscribe, leave a review, and then hit me up on, uh, LinkedIn, Tom Alemo, uh, or any of my other socials at Tommy Tahoe. Look forward to connecting with you there. Peace.